Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And a lot going on these days in Philadelphia sports. First, the Phils to us. James, when do they start the games? games. Saturday. Very nice. Yeah. Is that a game, Aaron, here on WIP? You're, you're damn right, brother. Wow. The first yeah. game. Saturday, I believe, at 1 o'clock on WIP. I Philly's like that. Baseball. I also like that Kyle Lowry will make his debut tonight as a 76er, and I kind of wish it was, you know, seven years ago. But, uh, hey, listen, congrats to Kyle Lowry. It's a really cool story. Uh, local guy obviously coming back and being able to play for his hometown squad. That's, that's, that is really, really cool stuff. Super great. Uh, yeah. It is. The, the Eagles mm. stuff, Ruben Amar is going to join us in a moment, but go ahead, John. It's uh, it's incredible to me, Kyle Lowry coming back. Uh, his coach no longer at Villanova, yeah. but his coach who at Villanova somehow said he was the smartest player he had ever coached. The, the I, I forget exactly what the quote was. Don't you think that AJ that's Brown like would the rip biggest... you? You just put it out there, and you don't know. AJ Brown would rip you. Oh, I'm sorry, AJ. It's the it, it's about <laughs> the biggest compliment I can imagine. Um. A coach of that just coach a lot of great players who yeah. who who tells the world this is the smartest guy. I, I, I really, and Lowry was with. awesome at Nova. I mean, the I basketball yeah. sense, the basketball intelligence, and now we've got that guy on our team, and I he's going to help us. He'll help, but he's also old. All he right. is old. Ruben tomorrow in just a moment. So if you're just waking up to it, a couple of uh, tweets from from yesterday that certainly have caused a stir. The first in the afternoon was Derek Gunn. And here's what he put up on social media. D-Gun wrote, uh, according to sources, Jalen's big contract pulled in numerous directions on and off the field, put him under a lot of pressure he didn't handle well. Second part of the tweet says the following. Big Dom suspended. Controls Sirianni's emotions on the sideline. In his absence, Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches during games. So that was one thing with two different topics within the same tweet. Then late last night, matter of fact, technically early this morning, 12.01 a.m. this morning, A.J. Brown from his uh, Twitter uh, account uh, put the following out. Philly media is so lame. It's literally something every day. Then the fans, B, believe the BS. They really should start raising the prices of microphones and cameras because you people will say anything for views I see why nobody likes us because we don't even like us. Hashtag reality TV. All right, for, for more perspective on this and everything going on, the fills and the whole deal, we welcome our guy, Mr. Ruben Amar. Good morning, Rube. Good morning, guys. Great to be with see, you. You've again. stepped into it, Ruben. Ruben, there's right always you know, there's always something going on, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> sports, baby. It Let's is. Go. So, you know, I'm fascinated on a lot of levels to talk to today, including the Bryce. Harper thing. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that and, and what the Phillies should do and what they will do and, and what kind of spot you feel like an executive like you were for many years would be in with Bryce and Scott Boris's interest in a new deal and going public with it. We'll get to that. But let, let's start let's start with the, the Eagle stuff here. What do you make, Ruben, of this much smoke that seemingly has become public? We don't really know where the truth lies and how far it goes. But as someone who has tried to avoid smoke getting out, right? I mean, part of your job as GM is to try to keep things in-house. When this much stuff guts out, what does it normally mean? I think it, it means that the, this is somewhat of a redirect 
I think there's a lot of things going on. I think that this, you know, the collapse last year was a combination of so many different things. And then all people want to, like, point the finger. It would, must have been this, and it, it must have been that. But the reality of it is that it sometimes is all those things. That's right. It's a combination of all those things. They, they, I believe that they were out-talenting teams in the early part of the season. It was not the schemes. It wasn't the... Uh, it wasn't the brilliance of the coordinators. It was because they were out-talenting teams and they were had the ability to just beat teams just because they were better than them. I believe that the adjustments that needed to be made once other teams made adjustments and found out their flaws, I don't think that the coordinators had the ability to do that. And I, and, and I think from the beginning, when you have new ones, when you have new coordinators, it really puts a lot of pressure on um on the team and the organization because if they haven't done it and hadn't had success and the players don't buy into it, and you know this, uh, John, if the players don't buy into what they're selling, it makes it a very difficult combo platter for um, it's it's almost like a coach, you know, telling a guy and a guy going, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I think that there's a combination of things that have happened. And I I think you're seeing – there's a lot of stuff, though. There's, There's a lot of stuff, of stuff like you're talking about that that you would wonder: Are the players fully invested? Are the, can the players possibly still believe as strongly in what they're selling behind the, those closed doors? Well, the way the they Novacare? the way they play in the playoff game says absolutely not. Right. I mean, they were done. The game the game was over before it began. This it's is where so, totally this is where Sirianni becomes really super important for a football team, and and this next year for him is sort of make or break. I think Big because time. it was very obvious that the team was no longer his team. It seemed to me, and I like Sirianni. I mean, I I do know, too. I, I, I like yeah. I I think he I think um, you know some of the antics. You know, it's a, it's a lot, but it's okay. He's an emotional guy. People like that in Philadelphia. People like the emotion. Um, sometimes maybe a little a little over the top, but 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 again, you know, you know he cares. You know he wants to be a winner. You know he's he, he's invested. But he what about also, he also has to he also has to run the team, and they have to yeah. believe in him as well. So I just there, there's a lot that gets in the way of believing in a guy. If there are reports out there now that that guy that you're supposed to be believing in needs. Big Dom to censor him, you know, needs Big Dom to keep him, I don't know, behaving him. Yeah. properly yeah. on the sideline, you know, staying out of trouble. That it, head, head, putting that out there, it really does undermine once again the ability for these players to believe in the head coach. And we are bringing this coach back. It, it's not it, like that decision's made, guys. Yeah, that's right. I think this I, decision's I, I, made, and we keep finding out things along the way. Like maybe this is. Wow, or maybe it's wrong, than we expect. Maybe we it's have, the wrong decision. We have to remember that you know sometimes guys have to go through growth. Look, head coaches. Look at Terry Francona. Terry Francona didn't really have great players here when he was first here. Didn't really develop as a coach and as a as a leader until like he went away and then and, and learned different things and became better and better. And you know now he's kind of like I, I would think he's almost a Hall of Fame type manager. So. I think there's a development that has to happen, and Howie Roseman obviously believes that, that that Sirianni can be that guy and has the ability to grow. And hey, I mean, I I know it's hard for for fans to, you know, let this happen and develop and have the patience to make this happen because it was such a disastrous end of the season and there were such high expectations for them to go back to the Super Bowl and win it. But I think we also have to say, okay, let's step back for a second, see if this guy really grows through this whether they can he can get people back on track and and kind of go from there. It may not happen. Hopefully it does. I do think that Roseman and Lurie and all those people who are making the decision to keep him believe that he can grow. Yeah. And I hope I hope for, for the franchise. I hope for the team. I hope for the city that he can and they can move forward. Well I agree with that for sure. Look two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four to weigh in on all this. Ruben, let's do one more and then we'll we'll be heavy on the phones here. But I'm curious you know, you, you you used a phrase in the beginning. Um, oh, damn! What was the phrase you said about? Um, I can't I can't remember. But something re- regarding messaging, essentially. Uh, I forget the phrase you said. Redi- redirecting. I redirecting. Think. Redirecting. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we love having you on the show for is your perspective, having been there and in the foxhole 
as a player, as as an assistant GM, as a GM. And and I think you know we are. Um, uh, we always want to be respectful to you. I never expect you to peel back the onion fully because it, it wouldn't be proper if you did. If you told us everything you know, people would actually, in many ways, respect you less because it'd be like part of your job is to, is to not spill all the beans of everything you know. All right. So we don't always ask you the deepest level of every question because I don't expect you to answer them. But walk us through this. How much do organizations sit down, top brass, and say, all right, we got to get in a room, guys, and figure out how we're going to message this one? Like this this crisis has come up or this mini crisis or this issue or player, player, it's become an issue publicly. People know, coach, player, it's become an issue publicly. People know, like, we got to figure out, and we're under a bullseye. We're the Philadelphia Phillies. How much do those kind of conversations happen? Top Brass says, let's get in a room and talk about it for an hour. We, we got an issue. It happens all the time. I mean, in baseball, because there's so many events, <laughs> and there's so many things that are happening. And and there and at the time when I was a GM, all the social media stuff started to really pop. Yep. And so you had to sort of you know get your PR guy together and your manager together, and we had to have the sort of the same – you know, get together and, and have the same messaging. Um, there were some things that, that popped up. We made mistakes. Um, we weren't perfect at, at, at all the messaging. But, you know, but you also had to st- sort of try to be in lockstep as far as an organization is concerned. It's something I think the Phillies do extremely well. Um, I think uh, Dombrowski and I think Thompson do that very well. I think it's just an important part. It makes, it makes everything more cohesive. It makes everything, um, you know, you're, you're – you are sending the right, you know, the proper message. And I think, you know, your ability to do that on a consistent basis is something that I think makes, you know, the fans settle down a little bit. I agree I with think that. It, I think that makes them settle down like, okay, they're giving us the information. This is what it is. We're getting it from all the sor- the sources that are supposed to be you know, giving this information. And that's why I, I, don't, I know in this day and age that the manager, unfortunately, for, in baseball, has so much more pressure on him to talk because he's doing it twice a day, every single day. I always believed that the GM's job was to take the heat off the manager because you ran the organization. He shouldn't be having to at, you know, answer questions about every little thing that's going on in the organization. That's my That was my job. Um, and I think you see that more and more these days where they just let the – manager out there they do hang. every day every every single day before the game and, and after the game and, every day and then they ask him about you know guys who were playing in a ball like yeah. really is, is he supposed to he's having a tough time already he's got a he's got a manage like 26 dudes and there's some kid who like uh you know stubbed his toe in, right. in, in a ball and now all of a sudden i just i know that they don't do that in philadelphia because dombrowski makes himself available he's great with the media i think he's fantastic but there's so many other GMs who do that. It's terrible. All right. It's awful. There's a lot going on here. And, again, your, your opportunity to react to the two social media posts from last night, if you're just waking up to it, we'll, we'll tell you them again coming up. Also, Ruben on the Bryce Harper thing. What will the Phillies do? What should they do? How complicated is that? Kyle Lowry, what he has said about uh, obviously now being a 76er, his first game tonight with the Sixers. Nick Nurse with a Joel and beat update. And Howard Askin today at 8 o'clock. A lot going on. Your phone calls. Joe to Cameron, John Ritchie. It's 94 WIP. In honor of President's Day this year, carve a new declaration of style. Make the executive decision to upgrade your kitchen and enjoy monumental savings with President's Day deals from Colonial Marble and Granite. I've always been impressed by everything about Colonial Marble and Granite. They provide a great experience from selection to installation. I was on the phone the other day with Stella. I've got a small little project we're working on. She's terrific. She helped me design my gorgeous kitchen, and they will work with you to make whatever it is you want happen. Now until February 26th, you can take home a free stone bathroom countertop and free sink of your choice for every bathroom vanity you purchase at Colonial. Visit a Colonial showroom in Philadelphia, Harrisburg, King of Prussia, Newcastle, or Edison to explore our region's most extensive selection of natural and engineered stone. Don't miss your chance to make a historic change. Four score yourself a brand new kitchen at a price you'll be celebrating for years to come. Colonial Marble and Granite, the cornerstone of a beautiful home. For terms and details, please visit. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. That'll wake you up a little bit here on a Thursday morning. Good morning to you. Jetta Cameron, John Ritchie. Robert Plant. All right, let's get a lot of calls in on all the topics from A.J. Brown to Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Big Dom, uh, Bryce Harper's contract, everything going on here. And by the way, congrats to the Flyers, who now, with the win yesterday, are seven points up on a playoff spot. That's a awesome. that's a nice Man, spot. I love it. Twenty five games to go. Like so, like it, 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 they ain't across the finish line yet. Twenty five games to go. Joe, they're one win seven away points from up. their win total of last year. Wow, with twenty five games wow. to go. That's a that's a that's great really turnaround cool. season. Ma- major shocking. culture change. I yeah. mean, th- what what Briere and Jonesy and Torts are doing uh, as a group there. I think it's just fantastic, man. They're going old school, yeah. hard nosed. Philadelphia hockey, and it's working. Yeah, it is. What if I had told you a year ago today when we had just come off the oh. Super Bowl that a year later the Flyers would be less dis- <laughs> less dysfunctional than the Eagles, man? What, what happened? A year ago. What happened? All right, let's go to Mark calling us from Wilmington. What's going on, Mark? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing well, Mark. Lots of interesting stuff. First one, Sixers. I don't think Embiid's going to be rushing back because the players are real soft nowadays. And, you know, I don't know how serious the injury is. But even when they have a pinky sprain or something, they're not, like, rushing back in there, load management. They're trying to milk that contract, and everybody wants to play 15 years. So that's that's what I think on that. No more Kobe's or Allen Iverson. Remember uh, Willis Reed going out there, like sure. whole leg blown out? Yeah. You'll never see that again. No well, there. look, two two different issues here. There's rushing back, and then there's just getting back. And yeah. you know, the key is that he gets back. I mean, look, the ultimate key is, is that he uh, doesn't damage the future of his career, and he probably won't. But the key for this year is that he gets back, hopefully with a couple weeks to go, so he can ramp up for the postseason. That's the goal. And it's not a stretch, and it's not a push, and this is doable, and I expect it, and this team's going to be good when it's all said. We'll say they got a shot. I mean, without him, they obviously got no shot. Mark, what do you got on the birds? Um, okay, uh, going back to uh, when they hired Sirianni, that first, uh, you know, the, the press thing, when he had the press conference yeah. and his answers, I was on talking to Angela probably three years ago when, they, when it happened the day after, and I said, I don't know this guy, but he sounds like a, a drunk frat boy with a hoodie and a hat on backwards. Um, I mean, there's a, uh, a certain amount of emotion you have to have. I look at Dan Campbell and say, yeah, that guy, but... With Sirianni, I said it three years ago, I felt like there was a a lack of maturity. Um, And I think it's exposing, it's it's starting to play out where you can really see that I don't don't think there's a complete buy-in. He has lost the locker room. Uh, when it comes to uh, Jalen Hurts. Well, why would they bring him back? Like, th- this front office knows the, the temperature of the, the team. I-, I can't imagine that they feel that way. Well, what would be fascinating, Mark, to know, and I don't know the answer, who lost the locker room more, Sirianni or Hurts? I think it starts with Sirianni, and then it, it was the trickle down to Hurts because um, I had said – now, last year he had a terrific year. They designed everything around him. The offensive line looked like Hall of Fame. I mean, they gave him – so that, that was good. The year before when he first started, 
he I didn't see him processing things. He saw things too late. He'd be thrown to Rager a second too yeah. late when somebody else is open. And I'm like, that could be right. an issue. But if he puts the work in in the offseason, you know, players get better. And he certainly seemed like a mature guy that wanted to get better. So I'm like, okay, he could be like a Philly kind of guy. Work hard, you know, get better and all that. But this year, what a giant yeah, step big, back. Big in step. The- yeah, big step back. Mark, yeah. give me a great answer. What's a documentary you'd love to see get made? Ah, this time of year, I always love, you know, a couple movies. One, I would love to see the making of the movie Hoosiers. That's interesting how Hoosiers got made. And that was based on a loosely based on a true story from what, the 50s in Indiana? I believe so. Yeah, I just saw it. I just recently saw it again. And it just it's it's just a heartwarming. It's a good one, man. It warms the heart. Now, do do you know this, Ruben? Here's the negative side of Hoosiers. Okay, I'm going to tell you something might disappoint you. And I'm not wrong. Okay, Jimmy Chitwood. Yeah, he walks. In the final oh, sequence of the movie, <laughs> about three seconds left before he rises up for that winning shot at the buzzer, mm. he shuffles his feet. No, and nobody calls it. No one calls Ref doesn't call it. Shuffles the feet before he dribbles. I'm Walks. glad they Euro- let him play. European, European layup. That's what the whole documentary <laughs> would be about, was the, yeah. you know, the cynical walk, the moment. Shuffle. I'm serious. He really did. Let's go to Mike in New Jersey. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Sorry for my voice, but um, listen, I want to touch on um, the tweets and a little bit about the show yesterday. Um, but I guess I'll preface it by saying, listen, I understand, you know, especially Joe, what you're trying to do. You got to, you got to generate engagement, right? And you know, James, I talked to you and Elliot on uh, Go Birds a couple weeks ago, and you know, I was kind of teasing Elliot about his, his tweets because I know he doesn't get his head ripped off because he's getting engagement. But Joe, I just don't get it. Where while you're perseverating about overrating rates like hurts he did not have that bad of a year he had like a decent year right and it's like okay fine there was a lot of things going on it's very frustrating in terms of the oh, tweet look look at his you know, year mike look look at jalen's year and compare the numbers and then eliminate the turnovers like it, well, do away can, with well, the, eliminate the turnovers. <laughs> do away with the fumbles and the interceptions and he was productive for the most part and that's with an offense that was, by the coach's definition, stale. That's with an offense that was broken for most of the season. The numbers that he put up were comparable with the great numbers that he put up the year before when we all thought that he was a, the cat's meow. It wasn't a disastrous season to the degree that a lot of people make it out to well, be. I, I agree. He but turned was... the ball over more. That's what led, in some cases, to us losing games. Yeah. But that that that's the the general gist. Like if he gets that under control, and I am positive he will, it's going to look a lot better in a hurry. Well, it could. But Mike, here's the part I, I think I think you're misassessing about my assessment. I'm not saying it was a disastrous season by Jalen Hurts. I'm saying it was a disastrous end to the season by Jalen Hurts, and not just a game or two, like a month and a half. So I thought he was superlative for three months and really, really bad in the final month and a half. I think, he, look, here, here's where I, why I feel I can confidently say he's, over, he, he's overrated from where we rated him because he's not as good as we thought. I mean, that's, that's being overrated. That's your opinion. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it, but – it's just yeah, a but, shame but Mike, that the most, most people believe that. Hold on, but Mike, Mike, wouldn't you say most people? Hold on, Mike, wouldn't you say today most people do not rate Jalen Hurts as high as they did four months ago? Right. Well, if you look, I'll tell you what, Joe. If you're looking at the feedback to your show's tweets, I would say that most people don't agree with your assessment. Well, let me ask you your question. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you rate Jalen Hurts as high? In the quarterback ranking in the NFL, as you did in November. Yeah, actually, I do because. Well, I, then you're because then you're wrong. Seen, <laughs> but that's no, why. Well, no, that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> but that's a dumb opinion. Can, we've seen what he. So can what do you do. got him? What do you got? Two, two or three in football? You, you take him over Burrow? You know what? Maybe I would actually. Well, that's stupid. Know. I mean, listen, that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. someone can but think that, that this stupid is somewhat. No, no, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying it's a stupid opinion. It's like saying the six hole hitter is better than Babe Ruth and the Yankees. Stupid is also very disrespectful. So, you know, that's good because pretty much everything you say is that tonight. So we're good. <laughs> All right, Mike, you got a shot to win the prize here today, my man. Give me an answer to a documentary. Okay, well, this will resonate with Seinfeld aficionados with the, uh, if anyone remembers the episode where Kramer and uh, and uh, Newman put on the reverse peepholes, I would love to see a documentary of a camera crew following around a camera for a couple of days doing everything. 
All the weird shit that he must oh, do. All-, all right, 215-592-9494. All right, let's talk to Mike. He's calling from Horsham. Good morning, Mike. Mike, you Good Mike. morning, morning, crew. How are you, Hello, buddy? Mike. What's up, my man? Um, well, first of all, everything you said about uh, James earlier is absolutely true. Because as a daily listener, last week, every once in a while, there would be a slowness or no energy. And, uh, and it, it hit me in the back of my mind, and then I realized Seltzer wasn't there. So it, it's not only his emotional support for you guys. Yeah. He is the straw that stirs the drink. There's no doubt, Mike. So uh, I think he's more the glue. Aware. But you want to go Reggie Jackson and the star, star, uh, stir the straw and the drink? That'll work. I call him the glue. I call him Elmer's. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, this Nick Sirianni thing, uh, I think it's a bad story for us as a fan base because it is now talked out loud about a huge characteristic flaw in our head coach. Yeah. Now, now the babysitter needs a babysitter? It's just ridiculous, man. The, the, the team right. is already emotionally decimated all the way through, and we're learning more and more, and then we put this out there. I, 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 I really don't like it, and I don't buy it entirely. Like this yeah, idea yeah, I don't that buy Big it. Look, Big Dom, we know he got suspended. Uh, we know that it's not just Big Dom who controls Nick Sirianni's emotions on the sideline. Nick Sirianni also controls his emotions on the sideline. He just needed to do a better job, and, and he will moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the the arguments players. with players and coaches, I've seen that happen on every team I've been on that, that starts losing. But every John, team he may... I've been on that has issues, that, that gets in trouble, that has a, sl- you know, a trough in the season, that's when you start getting on each other's nerves and you get it, get in each other's faces a little bit. Yeah, but that's I just normal. I hope he didn't lose guys in the process. I agree, and he he might have. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But again, they has. know better than we you do the, the dynamic that exists. And again, I All think right. it's about the, him growing, I, I, whether or not he can grow from this. And and this is a, a growth True moment. Movie. Well, clearly they think he can because they chose yeah. to bring him back. Of course. Yeah. Mike, give me a great answer. A documentary you'd like to see made. All right. Um, I even have uh, – I wish I could produce it because I have a great name. It's called The Last Prom Dance, The Forging <laughs> of the Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Oh, I like that answer. <laughs> I, so, Ru- that's a good answer. Ruben, let me ask you this question. As someone who, who ran an organization, I mean, you, you reported to, you know, a few people up top, the owners, but, but you know, you ran baseball operations for the Phillies for a while. So, obviously, the main thing is who can hit, who can catch, who can throw, who can pitch, you know, the performance of the players as players. But then there's all this personality stuff that goes into the makeup of a team and an organization. So, what is it like when you have a person might be really talented, but you feel something about him characteristic of his personality is causing a problem. And you as a general manager need to sit down with that player and say, Hey, my man, love you. But we got to talk about this and this might be kind of uncomfortable, but we got to talk about it. What is that like for a GM? It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's also something that's your job as a leader is to try to uh, try to handle those things. Now, typically, if it's a player involved, you let the manager. I always felt like the manager's job was to handle the guys on the field. My job was handle the people in the front office um, and the staff and that sort of thing um, in some ways. But, you know, these are things that had to be addressed, and people don't like confrontation. People don't like to have to address this kind of stuff. It's, it's touchy. It's difficult. But it's also something that I think is necessary. And, you know, you also, one thing that David Montgomery used to say all the time and makes a lot of sense, if the guy doesn't know or the woman doesn't know that they are faltering in an area and then you let them go without giving them an opportunity to grow, then that's sort of on you. That's not really fair to that employee. And so so I always felt like if I was going to make a move with somebody, I wanted to make sure that they understood, hey, we need a little bit of this out of you, or um, there's different ways to go about it. We we, we need a little bit type of uh, you know different type of production yeah. from you, and then give them an opportunity to then then move on. Now, 
in some cases, not in every case can you do this. And sometimes you just have to make change. But, you know, I talk about this all the time. Some leaders match up better with certain player groups and vice versa. And so that's why you see even great managers get let go because they're just not they're not they don't match up well with the personality of the of the club and then vice versa. Sometimes the player, whoever that guy is, maybe a great player, doesn't match up with the philosophy of the organization. And so it's a it's a dynamic that's real and it's something that um especially in this day and age where you're trying to work to get chemistry and it's yeah. the hardest thing to to bring 26 guys or 55 guys or whatever the number is uh, to pull on the same side of the rope. It's it's a real thing, and you'll notice, and people say it all the time. Um, it's one of the reasons why Whit Merrifield decided to sign with the Phillies because he knows that every one of those guys are pulling on the same side of the mm-hmm. rope, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they're there to win, and that's what he wants to do. When you asked somebody to change, essentially, to amend something about them, to fit the culture better, whether it's a player, and I hear you, you didn't do that as much as the manager, I totally get it, uh, or an employee, would you say more or less than 50% of the time they were able to make that change? Less than 50%. Because people are who they are. Um, but also you, you owe them the opportunity to do that yeah. before you make changes. And, it, and it's a hard thing to do, man. It's a hard thing to do. And um, sometimes they're just not wired that way. Um, John, let me ask you this question. What do you th- so the two different things going on here personality-wise? I mean, there's more than two, but the two big ones with the Eagles are Sirianni for you know maybe being too emotional at times, and and Jalen Hurts, ironically, for being not emo- yeah. emotional enough yeah. at times. Right. So, John, what do you what do you think, John? Whether it was Sirianni to Hurts or Howie to Hurts or Lori to Hurts, like what would they say? Because there's all this talk they want him to be different, and yeah. I would assume that means that they they literally approach him and say, yes. we want you to be different. Like, how do you convey that message? Well, I, I think it's very matter of fact. I think most of your conversations with Jalen, just because of his nature as a matter of fact type of guy, the conversations themselves are probably very straightforward. Jalen, the plan is, Hey, we need more production from a, uh, a leadership perspective from you remember this boy is that guy, would that would irritate the hell out of me if, i don't want to hear about production if i'm hurt so like, well, that, remember, that doesn't work to me if i'm hurt who speaks you haven't convinced football. me he speaks yeah. like the the language that every coach speaks like you can talk to him in, in a very matter of fact way jalen it wasn't good enough you need to be a better leader and we certainly believe in you and that you can be yeah so let's let's dig a little deeper it's going to be out of your comfort zone we need you to be more vocal we need you to be more demonstrative about the way you feel this team should be run with the way yeah. the guys should be conducted that's pretty good that part's pretty good like, I, I would appeal think- to his his want to be great we've heard so much i mean we had the si writer i was like him and tom ray the only two people who identify themselves by football like this guy just wants to be great like I would appeal to that. I'd be like, Jalen, you want to be great. You want to be the best to ever do this. This is what you have to do to become great. That's I mean, I what think, I would appeal to. I think to. that's a great point. I, did, uh, I think it's a terrific point, James. I mean, the, the other thing is this. The expectation that now is created by him signing the contract and being the player and the athlete that he is and having this sort of success over you know a year and a half span, I think that changes, you know, that changes a lot of things. You're... There's an expectation now, even though Jalen Hurts, I believe, makeup-wise, as far as just makeup as a person, as a leader, I think he's great. I think he's going to be great. But he also has to go through some growth because now the expectation is way higher than it was, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago. It's it's now you got to be the guy. Yeah. And now he's being pulled on all different directions. Now there's all types of stuff going on. You have to be the not just you know the the leader of the team, but you're also now the face of the franchise, and you're this and you're that, and and there's a growth period that has to go you know that he has to go through to to overcome that. I think, and I have great confidence that this guy will do that because I just love the way he goes about things. And I think James, you you make a great point about his great. I think he wants to be great, and I think he'll figure out how to be that guy. But I think it's also a process. 
I'm getting pumped up here. I like this. I like this. Some positivity. All right. By the way, what Kyle Lowry said upon joining the Sixers, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's get to Tom and Abington as Lowry's about to play his first game in his hometown tonight as a Sixer. Good morning, Tom. Yo, gang. How are we doing this morning? Doing well, Tom. Yeah, the, the Philadelphia second rounders are a little bit late on the on the Lowry train, Joe. <laughs> I mean, geez. Buddy healed fine, but that's uh, what a mess. Yeah. But what a bigger mess, the Eagles. How about it, huh? Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm i just waiting to hear from Peter from Maple Shade. Do you remember this guy who called in? I don't. The cop? Remember the cop who called in? No, 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 no. Not Wasn't the he the cop? Is this the tennis from, guy? Oh, that's Peter and Lehigh Valley. My bad. That, yeah. Peter from Mapleshade called in and said that he was up in a tennis court or something in Jersey and Nick Sirianni was there and yeah. he had oh, a yeah. screaming match with him. Look, oh. man, I, I think Sirianni is wow. He's an emotional a, dude. An emotional guy. Yeah. I was going to say volatile, but yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. But that emotional is, guy. The, I forgot about that, be, too. And that's yeah. a great point, and it's so incredibly inappropriate that our head coach would allow himself to, to do that. <laughs> depends all, depends what led up to it. Like, across the board, everybody poo-pooed this guy, myself included. Like, you know, what a, yeah. what a clown, what a joker. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And now we have this. Like, I'm waiting for this guy to call back in and be like, see, I told you. Right, right. I mean, I at the time, I don't think I fully believed him. and uh, Nobody did. And that's a shame. Now I believe him a lot more. Interesting. I mean, I, I might have a real yeah. problem. Well, for, for what it's, Tom, for what it's worth, you know, Sirianni's comments near the end of the season indicate to me that he is now more aware of, that his volatility caused problems than he previously was. He was probably spoken to, again, I'll use the word probably, by the mm-hmm. owner and the GM, or one of them. And you got to hope that next year he, to use a driving term, can be a little bit more on cruise control and not go from 97 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. Well, yeah, apparently it needs big Dom around. Well, so, you know, I'm not as bothered by that, Tom, as some people. Like, I don't love it. Let me be clear. I don't love it. But I also – like, the, the one caller earlier this hour had a great line. You know, now we need a babysitter for the babysitter. <laughs> All right. Yep. It's a good line. But I will say, you know, everybody needs certain support in life. Everybody does. And I guess that's an element of his personality that right. needs but some the support. Problem, the problem here is they've neutered this guy and made well, him a cheerleader. Like he's like he's the CEO coach, so you know culture's supposed to be the number one thing that he's building there, and he can't do that. And what is he yeah. doing? All right, give me an answer, Tom. What's something you'd like to see a documentary done on? I got to see a documentary on young Joe DeCamera so I can see where it all went <laughs> wrong. <laughs> well. Hmm. Feels like we might need to make a Joe to camera doc. Good yeah. God. Yeah. Good God. Seems like the demand com- is I a, there. I got a quick comment about um, the, this growth thing. And I, I was a very emotional GM. I, I like the seat of the pants. I wanted to be aggressive. I was sort of, you know, the personality, the Philadelphia personality. Can I say one thing before you continue? Yeah. Because it's right in the wheelhouse where you yeah. are. I don't want to, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I got to yeah, tell yeah, a story go. I've never told you. Yeah. So, as you know, Dutch and I were pretty close. We did a show together for a couple of years. Yeah. He told me a story, I don't know the year, but it certainly was not 2011. It was either 12 or 13. He got sick in 13. That was the last year we did the show together when he got sick, probably around May of that year. So it was either 12 or 13 when things weren't going as well. He told me that he had the prior night, we was at the stadium, he walked into the booth or suite, wherever you were, whatever spot was your spot, it was during the game, just to say hi to you. He's in the Dutch, just bopping around the ballpark, good mood thing. And he said he saw you, and you were so angry about what was going on in the game. And he said his interaction with you lasted about five or ten seconds because he could tell you did not want to be – and you loved him, obviously. But it was not the time, and you were really, really, really wired. And he told me the next day – he was laughing about it, of course – you know, but his thing was like, man, Ruben is really, he's going through it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I, no, I so, say that so, to yeah, give the and audience backstory for what yeah, you're describing. And I used to get emotion in the box. And I had to, just being around and having Pat Gillick around, who was a much, he was a calming, sort of a calming influence. And guys like Benny Looper, calming influence, they helped me. They really did. I mean, I still remained pretty emotional guy. And I had to, I had to, you had to check it at times. Um, but that's something, again, it's an area of growth for Sirianni. He's the face of their organization, or 
you know, he's a leader of the of the organization as far as being on the field is concerned, and he's going through those growth moments, and maybe he needs somebody to help him through that and mentor him through that because I've I've lived it myself. And that doesn't bug you? Um, I, listen, I'd rather have the guy be more emotional and and then back off than the other way around, and yeah. like than be like than than be a flatliner and then have to pick it up a notch. Yeah, I just feel like there is an element of um. You know, the leadership being calm and steady, and that was what Charlie Manuel did so, so, so well. Sure. I mean, the sky could be falling and, and uh, you know, on the field, and Charlie just chewing his gum, you know, like it's nothing. <laughs> right. But isn't that and, what, and, that's like what, what all great, we, we attribute that to yeah. great leaders across the board. Right. I, I just feel like every great coach I've played for, I Well, I, Tortorella I doesn't seem that way, and he's doing a great job right now. I mean, they got a team that's supposed to be a bum team. And it looks like they're probably going to make the playoffs. But Tortorella and, has and worn it, himself out in other spots, correct? By being be, that way because because at some point the players it starts it's you know starts to be white noise, right? Um, but I but I do believe that Sirianni, uh, I, I think that they, that the, that their group believes that Sirianni can grow through this, and uh, and and rebuild whatever relationships he may have uh, you know. May, Compromise. All right, so let's get to the Kyle Lowry thing. I think it's a really cool Philadelphia story. I mean, look, unfortunately, he is old. He's probably not going to contribute that much. He he's an upgrade, um, but you know, my expectations aren't enormous. He's what is he? Thirty eight. Uh, thirty seven. I think he's somewhere in that okay. range. He's he might be thirty eight. He's but, old. But when you get a guy from Philly, you know, who... sad that I just said it. Thirty eight years old. <laughs> thirty eight years old. Is old. No, I'm feeling really but old. When you get a dude from Philly who obviously played college ball here with Villanova and and and, and it's funny, ironically, speaking of people that were volatile, he was pretty volatile back in the day as far as, like, his temperament on the court. He could be he could be very tempestuous. I mean, I, very. Um, but he has become a rock-solid pro. I mean, to the point where he's like a borderline Hall of Fame guy. Now, that's in part because the NBA has a, a low standard for the Hall of Fame. But, like, you got to consider him a borderline Hall of Fame guy. He's going to play tonight his first game ever for the Sixers. Hometown team. It's really cool. It really is. Let's listen to Kyle Lowry talking yesterday about this Philly thing and, and playing for the 76ers. Growing up as a kid in this town, how much was it a dream of yours to play for the Sixers? It wasn't a dream. Like, you know, you ever want to really play at home because there's so much going on. You know, it's a, it's a hard place to play when you go back home. and you know you. But at the end of the day, it's a dream come true because I'm actually being able to play in front of my, my friends and family and, and the people that you know I chaired growing up with as a Sixers fan growing up, and it's kind of one of the things where now I'm prepared to do it. You know, when you're younger, you're not really prepared to do it, and uh, I think at this point in my time in my career, I'm prepared to do it. All right, so I love today when Lowry's about to play his first game. We got like one and a half people here who did this. Ruben definitely did it. I mean, Ruben from Philly, Penn Charter, the whole thing. He did it with the Phils. And John being a little west of Philadelphia, certainly. It's not Philly, but John identified with the Eagles growing up. So, John, let's start with you. Like, what is going through, Kyle? Like, you went oh. through this. What was that like? You signed with your home state team. What's that like? It is the ultimate dream. It is exactly what you were pretending you could someday do when you were a little boy playing <laughs> in the backyard. You know, playing me throw the, the ball up in the air. Uh, I am a pro football player someday playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, just like Wilbert Montgomery. Right. You know, this was, again, the ultimate dream. My family, my friends, for the first time in my life, we're, we're cl- sorry, for the first time since high school. In your professional life. In my professional yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, you know, when I was in college, if they wanted to see me play, it's a flight. Yeah. And now it's, holy cow, I get to see everyone I ever cared about, and we all get to commune and love this team together. It was the ultimate dream. Now, Ruben, for you, your, your experience is even more ingrained. I mean, obviously, with your father's presence with the organization, with you being a bat boy in 1980, when you got to play for your hometown Philadelphia Phillies for the first time, what was that like? You know, it was interesting because when I first got heard about the trade, I was in Venezuela. I was traded to the Phillies, and the first thing was like, "Oh my God, I'm going back to the Phillies!" And then I was like, "Oh my God, I'm going back to the Phillies!" Because, <laughs> and that's how, sort of how I handled it. When I mean, spring training was great, but when the season started, I made the team. I put so much heat on myself. I had not been in the major leagues very long. I'd only been in the big leagues for like a 
like a one month period with the Angels prior to coming to Philadelphia, and I put so much pressure on myself. I I almost wish that I had come back to the Phillies two or three years down the road. And when I did come back after you know playing for the Cleveland Indians and some, and some other clubs. When I came back, I actually felt a lot more comfortable in my own skin because the pressure of having to perform was not nearly as great, and 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 that was something that I sort of put on myself. But um, but I mean, for me, to, I mean, I, there's no question. I mean, I, I've been it's been golden for me. I mean, for me to be able to come back and work in the front office and you know be a part of the you know Philadelphia sports community after you know, growing up here and watch you know having my dad go through it um on a bunch of different levels this is just fantastic and and uh and i'm really grateful and i every single day i thought thought about it when i was a gm or assistant gm like how grateful am i to be able to do this in my hometown uh with the passion and 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 the the way the city rallies around uh sports and stuff i'm psyched for kyle lowry i think it's cool i think i think it's really cool i think it's fantastic he made the point i said he, he it's emotional for him now i think maybe even more so now late in his career Oh, yeah. Because now he's got one. He's got a chance to win because it's a, it's a, it's can be with Embiid on the court. It's a really good team, and two, he gets to be home. You know, later on in life, where hey, this is sort of a full circle yeah. moment for him. Yeah, you know, I think of a story. Rip Hamilton got inducted in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame last year. So obviously, most people in the Philly Sports Hall are people that played here. But then there's the people that grew up here category, which Rip Hamilton obviously was deserving to be in the Philly Sports Hall. And he told a story in his induction speech. This was in 2023. In his speech, he told a story about when he was a kid, there was a moment where he actually got to get out there on the court. He was, I believe, about 12 or 14 years old. And him and a couple of buddies, I think it was after a game, Spectrum, ball in his hands. His friend had taken a shot. He is just about to take a shot. Like, they just have this unique opportunity for some reason to shoot a shot. He is just about to take the shot at the Spectrum. That's probably back in the, what, 80s or 90s, whatever it be. And security guy's like, hey, yeah, you, you can't do that. And, like, ball out of his hand and, like, okay, you got to go back to being in the stands. Like, I don't – enough, right? And he said that when he finally got to take a shot – and, of course, he first took a shot, I guess, as a member of the – what, the Wizards, I think, and then the Pistons. And then, you know, like, on a Philadelphia court, in this case, I assume that Wells Fargo, he said it was so meaningful to him. Because this was his hometown, and this was the spot where literally he had a chance to take a shot and it was taken away from him a number of years ago. It was, it was really cool the way he conveyed it. Um, Howard Eskin, in about 10 minutes on all these topics, plus Ruben on the Bryce Harper thing. What's going to go down there with the Phils and Bryce? We'll get to that shortly. Ken and Cinnaminson right now. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, friends. How are you today? Doing well, Ken. Well, that guy, uh, that Royal Carl, got a little personal, Joe. I, uh... No, that's not Ken. <laughs> it, it, didn't make, it didn't make the air. He dislikes you so much he gets up in the morning to listen to you and call you. So Ken wants to see a documentary about you. It's it's okay. <laughs> it's it's not the documentary the guy had called her or two ago. It was someone earlier this hour. It's not a big deal. Um so I I think I related to you guys back in, in uh November that uh I had met a family in the, a couple in the pool in the, in Aruba who lived in the same town as the Sirianni family and knew the Sirianni brothers basically their whole lives growing up. And the one thing that they said was that was an extremely loud family. Um, so they, they've always been like that. So I think some of this stuff gets a little blown out of proportion. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's hot-headed, you know, and, and I know what I was like when I was his age, and um, I probably would have made him blush with my hot-headedness. So I, I think, you know, there was a great article about – Scott Lawton yesterday in the Inquirer, and the the phrase that was used that you've heard before is uh, about a lot of athletes is he's he's the glue guy, right? And I I think what has occurred to me over this whole process with the Eagles and especially the tailspin at the end of the season was it, it doesn't seem like there was a glue guy in that locker room. It's and when you think about the reason that we fell in love with the Phillies, uh, kind of late in 2022 was it started to become obvious to us that those guys really liked each other and, and we still feel like they really like each other. And it just didn't feel like that by the end of the season with the Eagles last year. And I don't know why. None of us know why. None of us are in that room. The the, the person who's most able to relate to the dynamics of that room is, is John Ritchie. And one thing that I know he said, and I know I've heard Hugh say on the Midday Show, is 
99% of the stuff that happens in a locker room never sees the light of day outside that room. So, but the one thing I will say is the head coach can't be the glue guy in the locker room. The, the, the glue guy has to be a player or, or a couple of players. And I don't know who that is. Um, some well, of the- AJ was trying to be the glue guy for sure, taking the, the team out. I, I love the, the strides that he's making with, with that attempt. I, man, there, there are some guys like Devontae who's the quiet glue guy, lead by example guy. Your point earlier, who is that lead the, the group guy for this team? Yeah, here's Ken. Here's the thing Without I'll say. Without Fletcher, on, no, I, I don't yeah, know. but but Ken, here's the thing I'll say on that because I've seen this enough to know you can have exceptional leaders, and still have a problem spiral way the hell out of control. Well, I sure. mean, you can like in 05, like to me, Doc and Trot. I mean, you know, and and Trey and and like Run, like you had some, you know, and B West, like you had some strong characters, with with great character who were great locker room figures. And you know what? Donovan and T.O., it happens. Well, we, yeah. it just happened it now. We have Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey and yeah. Lane Johnson, all these guys we right. know have won before, can be those type of leaders, right. and it happened under their watch, too, without you know, a doubt. And there's a phenomenon that occurs. Right. Like, your performance pre- prevents you from being a leader if it's bad enough. Like, there are some guys, like, I don't know, James Bradbury, Last season, who probably found right. it harder to be a leader. That's true. On that team, he he had every right to be. He's been around this league for a long time. He knows the game. Uh, so he's, he's professional, know, very, very sharp. Yeah. yeah, pros pro. But when you've lost the step as dramatically as he has, the the other guys they just don't respect you quite the same way. It's just the truth. They they, they see right through it all to the the pith of. What do you provide to yeah. this team? How the, good, the, how much do you help us win? If you're helping us lose, I've lost respect for you. You're, it's hard for you to lead me now. And then there's the, the other dynamic where there's some great, great players who don't want to be leaders. That's right. Yeah. They don't want that. They want to talk just, about hey, that I, with I, Kevin Durant. I want to do my days. job. That's I want right. to play Durant. well. Yeah. I want to be a great player. I want to be a great support system. But I don't want to lead. That's not my thing. Yeah, Ken, and, you know, Ken, Ken, fascinating call from you as always. Give me a great answer. What's a document? There's so many good documentaries these days, Ken. What's one that hasn't been made you'd love to see be made? Well, this is one of the greatest achievements in human history, and it almost never gets talked about in that sense. But, well, I wish Lewis and Clark could have taken a camera crew with them for that <laughs> oh, time. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Lewis and Clark with a camera crew. That's good stuff right there. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.